Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauley, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. This is another episode Wes McAdams did with Luke Dockery. This time they're talking about a listener's question regarding Christians and fake news. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, well, welcome back to Luke Dockery. Thank you for being with us again, brother. Glad to be with you again. <clears throat> we are, we're, we're going to tackle another question that's been sent in. This one is a little less um, based in one specific scripture, but I think there's a lot of uh, scriptural principle, scriptural principles, biblical principles that we can apply to, uh, to this question. Uh, but uh, one of our listeners wrote in and asked, how do Christians combat the fake news phenomenon. For example, a friend might repost something on social media without checking the validity of the comment article, and it is really a false representation of the truth. Specifically, along with this question is, how do Christians who are diligent and responsible when posting combat the non-Christians view that Christians are foolish and gullible because they believe in conspiracy theories, etc.? These uh, this lessens people's confidence in the truth of Christianity. So how can you believe the truth coming from someone who also believes conspiracy theories, et cetera? And the last piece would be how can Christians educate other Christians without offending them? So obviously this this um, hits on a lot of different points. Uh, one is how do we make sure that we're sharing things? If we're sharing things, that we're sharing things that are true. Uh, how do we handle it when a non-Christian is frustrated or or doubts Christians because of things that Christians are sharing that aren't true. Um, and then if a Christian friend shares something that's not true, how do we how do we address that? How do we talk to them about that? So there's a lot of different areas that this this hits on, but but a lot of it just centers around the idea of of knowing what's true and speaking what's true and then helping and and being part of the conversation when others say things that that aren't true. So just right off the bat, Luke, any, any thoughts on, on that or what direction do you think we should go with that? Well, <clears throat> I would first just say this is a great question or series of questions from uh, Andrea. And obviously this is unfortunately uh, has become a really big problem area um, in our society and uh, among Christians as well. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of principles that we could reflect upon. Uh, one that I think I would hope that we could all agree on up front is that as Christians, we're supposed to be people of honesty and integrity. And I, I don't really believe that most people are out there sharing fake news maliciously or intentionally, like intentionally trying to, to, to spread things that aren't true. I think more it's a, um, a case of confirmation bias where people find something that, that validates something that they would like to already believe. And so then they share that. But it is concerning the degree to which people don't seem interested in, in checking the validity of something. Uh, I would like to think in our everyday interactions and our, our uh, in-person speech that we would not be um, just so quick and flippant about just saying something that we heard if we didn't know if it was true. Um, and I think this is a dangerous area because we, we get very easily into biblical territory of things like bearing false witness or gossip or slander. Um, and, and this it's, it's, so it's really problematic. So I, I just want to affirm that it is a really big deal 
um, because as Christians, we should absolutely be people of honesty and integrity. And fake news really does uh, uh, damage that in a way that the question kind of reveals, especially in the eyes of the world. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you would agree with this, too, that, that it, I don't think it I think we need to acknowledge the fact that it's not just Christians who are sharing things that aren't true. Absolutely. Um, I think sometimes we we unfairly get um, accused of of being more gullible or, or or sharing things that aren't true. But but I think it, it's across the board. It's it's human beings in general that uh, that are susceptible to believing. Uh, rumors, gossip, slander, whatever it may be. And so human beings in general have the tendency to pass along things, as you said, that confirm a bias that we already have. And so, uh, and, and I think that the age in which we live uh, makes this even more problematic. There are so many different voices, so much information in the world. Social media makes it even more problematic and difficult to deal with. Um, if if somebody hasn't watched uh, the I think it's on Netflix, the Netflix documentary social, I think it's the social dilemma. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. Luke, but yes. Um, but, but just that the, the way that the social media algorithms work, I mean, all of this plays a part in, in the situation in which we find ourselves, but to your point, it, it's problematic. And, and I can't, I can't do anything about whether or not non-Christians are telling the truth. Uh, I'm not really going to speak to whether or not uh, unbelievers are being truthful, but it is my responsibility as an evangelist to speak to Christians telling the truth because it is, to Andrew's point, to your point, um, our credibility is tied to each other's credibility. And so if I'm saying things that are not true, that are verifiably false, um, then it it reflects poorly on the credibility of all of my brothers and sisters. And so it is a problem that, that we have to address. The world needs to address it too. We, we all need to address it. That Every culture, every community needs to address speaking the truth because any culture cannot continue to exist very well if nobody knows what's true anymore. If, if everybody is constantly questioning, well, you know, they said this, but I don't know whether I can believe that or not. And when there's no credibility and there's no ability to discern what's true and not, it makes it very hard to function as any society. But as Christians, our focus is on, on other Christians telling the truth. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, it, it's not so, I, I kind of expect the world to look like the world. <laughs> But I expect Christians to not look like that. And so that, that's why, I mean, that's why we're having this conversation. That's why it's a concern for us. Um, we want to talk to our brothers and sisters and make sure that we're all doing what we can to be people of honesty and integrity. And that certainly has a, um, re- reflects on this issue as well. Um, another, another idea that I think is really important in this, and it, it touches on something that you said, is the idea of uh, humility. Um, one of the reasons... I need to be really careful about what I share is because discernment is hard. Um, part, part, of the re- part of the reason for that is uh, you referenced the social dilemma, but I mean, there are forces outside of our control, uh, algorithms and things like this that are intentionally, um, I say intentionally, um, perhaps at one point intentionally, at this point now, the algorithms just kind of change on their own and, and I, there, there might be only a handful of people in the world that understand how some of these things work. Um, but there are people and, uh, not even people, bots that are intentionally propagating false information out there, uh, for all sorts of reasons. Um, 
and intentionally trying to make it to where it's hard for you to tell if that's real or not. And so I want to acknowledge that like, it's not always just easy to tell. Um, also, it's not always easy because it is simply impossible to be an expert uh, or even a well-informed novice on everything. Um, it's always amazing to me, uh, apparently, how many of my Facebook friends uh, seem to sideline as you know economists, historians, epidemiologists, uh, constitutional lawyers, biologists, whatever. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you guys had all these uh, extra credentials just on the side. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm joking here, but seriously, just because you have access to Wikipedia and the internet doesn't really mean that you're qualified to speak about everything. Um, and I just think in my own experience, um, going to grad school was such a humbling experience for me um, as I began to be aware of how much there was out there that I just didn't know. Um, and in fact, I, I, I was so ignorant before I started to study, I didn't even know that I didn't know it. Uh, like, I, I didn't even realize that there was this whole realm of understanding that I had no idea about. That's how ignorant I was. And to be clear, that's in one narrow area. My training is in ministry and theology and biblical studies. And there's still so much I don't know in that field. So with that realization, if, if that's true in the area that I have studied, how much more so is it true in all of these fields and disciplines where I haven't studied? Um, it doesn't mean I know nothing about them, but it means I haven't studied them, really. I can't claim to have a broad knowledge or, or certainly a deep knowledge. So I want to have the humility to acknowledge that um, I don't know much about a lot of things. And so I want to defer to those who are authorities in those areas. Now, that kind of begs the question, well, that requires discernment as well. Which, which authorities do you rely upon? Um, and so in my case, uh, I try to listen to people who have established credibility in my eyes in other ways, who also have the training to make them kind of authorities um, in a given field. So just as an example, um, we've been going through this long period of uh, COVID pandemic, and there's actually a lot of diverse voices out there about every imaginable aspect of that, right? Um, personally, I have given a lot of credence to what I hear from medical personnel, whom I know personally, uh, people who have more training and expertise than I do, but who I also have reason to trust for a variety of other reasons. Um, that's, that's just been a helpful tool for me. Um, and, you know, a meme on Facebook doesn't pass that test. Uh, there's, there's no connection, or at least no, no easily verifiable connection to expertise with a, a meme. And generally speaking, they're, they're totally anonymous. So you have no history of credibility with, with the person. Uh, the person who shares a meme is not the source of that meme. Um, that's just someone who, like you, is sharing it perhaps without much discernment. Um, so I don't know what you think about that. But to me, humility is a really important aspect in me saying, you know, probably I shouldn't just share this stuff if it's not my area. And I also need to have humility to rely on people who who do have some training and expertise, but who also have given me reason to, to trust them before now. Yeah, I think that's so well said. I, there's so many great points that you made, I, and I hadn't even really thought about a lot of those as it pertains to this conversation, but a lot of it has to do with what we as, as preachers talk about a lot is context, not just context. We, we could talk about context of scripture and pulling things out of context, but even context of relationships. 
And, and a lot of this, and I love, I love that point that when someone has established credibility with you, then you have a context for understanding them. And, and if you know their background, if you know their expertise, if you know their experiences, if you know their credibility, then you're, you're taking their statements within that larger context. And I think that one of the biggest problems that we have is that so much of what we're hearing and, and d- trying to discern is taken out of context. Not only we're taking little snippets of what someone said, little snippets of data, little snippets of a larger conversation, whatever it is, and we're taking those out of those contexts, but also out of the context of relationship, out of the context of reliability and credibility. And, and I, I've done the exact same thing, um, surrounded myself with some medical professionals that I know, and then also found during the pandemic, some epidemiologists that I can follow long term, where I'm not just taking one video that I saw or one article that I saw or one quote from an article that I right. saw, but, but following them <laughs> regularly, understanding their, their point of view, their perspective, their faith, um, and understanding where they're coming from and understanding whether or not I'm going to allow this person to speak into my life and give me an understanding on this topic and, and trust them. And, and that, that's really what it comes down to is who do you trust and why do you trust them? If, if I'm only trusting somebody because they said what I already believed, because they gave credence to my, my preconceived idea, that's not really enough reason to trust somebody. And I, I think that that too speaks to something you said earlier about confirmation bias that um, that we need to have a healthy skepticism. And, and for me, the difference between an, a healthy skepticism and an unhealthy skepticism is a healthy skepticism makes me question the things that I want to believe. So a healthy skepticism says, this seems too good to be true. This kind of falls right into what I already want to be true. So I'm really going to look at this with a whole lot of scrutiny. An unhealthy skepticism makes us question the things we don't want to believe anyway. And, and it, it, it makes us attack that with a whole lot of scrutiny. And so I think that we need to have a healthy skepticism that, that puts up a barrier against the things that we hear that we already are, are tuned to believe those things. And, and again, surround ourselves with voices that are trustworthy and that we have a context for establishing whether or not they're trustworthy. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a really good point, um, and I want to kind of latch onto something the the healthy skepticism, and maybe even extending that a little bit. Uh, I want to have an honest, healthy skepticism of my own motivations for why do I want to share this in the first place? Like what whether whether or not it's fake news. Let, let's assume that maybe I haven't fully discerned that, but what is my motivation to to want to share this? Um, and um, a passage of scripture that I appreciate in this regard, First um, Thessalonians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. And this comes in the context. We won't read all this, but it comes in the context of Paul describing a life that is pleasing to God, that is lived out in the context of the community uh, in the world. And he says in verse eleven, "Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands, as we instructed you." so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. There's some interesting some interesting ideas there that I kind of want to pick up on and to be clear like I'm 
I'm I'm suggesting this verse as a prompt for self-reflection. So I'm not I'm not judging other people and what they do, but this is a good thing, uh, a healthy practice for us, I think. So I, I do wonder about the motivation that people have to always share their opinions on everything, or to always um, or to share a piece of, of fake news that confirms their perspective on something. And this is something that I wrestle with a lot um, as someone who uh, I intentionally engage social media in a way uh, to proclaim the kingdom, but not, hopefully, to promote myself and my own perspectives. Um, and Wes, I think that you do a great job with this, but but I suspect that you, like me, kind of feel the tension in that. Like, I want to make sure that, like, why am I, why am I sharing the thing that I'm sharing? And I think that's a really helpful practice for all of us to, like, what is my motivation in, in sharing this? And it seems to me that Paul suggests here that it should not be our goal to become famous or influential or get lots of likes for what we share or have everyone agree with our opinions, but rather that we should largely mind our own business, work hard and maintain respectful relations with those who are not Christians. And if there's a time in which we're going to kind of step outside of that and perhaps not mind our own business and we're going to say something publicly, boy, I really want that to be focused on Jesus and his kingdom. And that doesn't mean that there's never going to be some sort of cultural comment. Um, but I'm just always, uh, frankly, perplexed by Christians who will engage a whole lot on social media about all sorts of things and almost never talk about their faith. That's just always, I hope that doesn't sound super judgmental. It's genuinely perplexing to me. Like if we say that the center of our identity as humans is Jesus is my king and my life is dedicated to him and his kingdom, why in the world are we sharing memes about? all sorts of political or social um, of happenings, right? So I just think it's really helpful for me. It's really a heart check issue. Why, why do I even want to share this in the first place? Whatever it is that I'm going to share, what is my motivation? Is it to get attention? Is it to, to make a political point, to win an argument? Um, and, and hopefully my, my motivation and, and my uh, remembrance of my calling to live a quiet life helps me to keep my mouth shut at times when I should and when I do speak up to make sure that I'm pointing people uh, to Jesus rather than something that doesn't matter as much. Yeah, that's so rich. And, and that, that goes beyond whether or not it's true, because some of these things may, may or may not be arguably true or true from our perspective or, you know, or whatever the case may be or our, our opinion. And, and I think that that has to be said as well, that even if something is your opinion, doesn't mean it has to be shared, that there has to be not only discernment, but also discretion. And I think that that's what exactly what you're speaking to is that element of discretion to say, should I share this? Why am I sharing this? What am I trying to accomplish by sharing this? Because to that point that Paul makes in to the church of Thessalonica, that our, our, our existence and our ability to spread the message of the gospel depends on our credibility. And so if we are compromising our credibility over trivial issues, over trivial matters, even if we're right, even if that's true, or even if we have a right to our opinion, we may very well be compromising our ability to spread the gospel because we're compromising our credibility on these issues that don't matter. And if there's one thing that should really matter to Christians about 
our how we're seen and perceived in the world. It's our credibility that we we have to strive to be people that tell the truth, that speak with love, that that do, as you said, mind our own business, that live these quiet types of lives. That should be our reputation. And unfortunately, it's not always our reputation. And, and I think that that's a good heart check question to ask, why am I sharing this? What am I trying to accomplish? And does this accomplish a kingdom goal? Does this accomplish the goals that Jesus has for my life? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I'm on the same page. Um, yeah. We, do we want to move on to maybe some of the, the other aspects of her questions as far as what do, what do we do? How do we respond to this? Yeah. And, and I think too, I, maybe, maybe also, and you kind of brought this up a second ago about um, bearing false witness. And I think that so much of this news um, so often, the, the kinds of things that I see that make me cringe, uh, in fact, I, I, I got a, a private message not too long ago from a Christian, a well-known preacher, evangelist within Churches of Christ, sent me a private message. And I was really glad that it was a private message. I assume that he sent it out to a whole lot of people. But it was this video clip of a, a well-known politician, I won't even say who it was, presumably falling asleep on the air. And he was saying, we need to share this everywhere. How come the news isn't reporting on this? Well, it took me about 30 seconds of Googling to figure out that it was actually two separate video clips that were put together to make it look like this person was falling asleep on the air and, and he wasn't. It was just, it was completely made up. Apparently it was originally created as a joke, uh, but but then it it got shared as if it was, was real. Well, I, I think that so much quote unquote, fake news isn't just fake. It's it's defamation of character. It's defaming to people. It is slanderous. And I think that that especially should be concerning. If I say the moon is made out of cheese, okay, well, that's not true. But it, what, what difference does it make if I say that or I believe that other than my own personal credibility? But if I'm saying things that attack people, that are not true or are partially true, or I took that statement out of context, or I took that moment out of context in order to make you think less of someone else, that's, that's very concerning. And I think about some of the things that, that is said throughout scripture about bearing false witness against people. When, when I stand up and I say, Wes did such and such, or Luke did such and such, um, this person did this bad thing, or this person shouldn't be trusted, well, I am setting myself up as a judge or as a witness, rather, as a witness in the court of public opinion to say, as we judge this person, we should judge them poorly because they did this thing. And, and even though I'm just one person, and even though I'm just maybe echoing something else that I've heard, I am bearing witness in the court of popular opinion about that person. And I'm essentially participating in the execution of their reputation. And, and for a Christian, if I'm going to speak up and witness about someone's credibility or reputation or their character, I better make sure that not only it needs to be said, but that it's actually true. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And um, I mean, it's, it's scary, frankly, for me to kind of reflect on, like, I just feel like a lot of this stuff is just done so flippantly without thought. Um, but like this is absolutely stuff that scripture condemns. And um, I think it's reflective of, unfortunately, just larger uh, societal trends that we witness 
that that as Christians we we need to we need to be distinct, we need to be different against. But it's like, hey, just because you disagree with me on fill in the blank, like vaccines or politics or you know whatever, you're not my enemy. I mean, that's that's the consistent testimony of of scripture. Like our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's it's these. Uh, these dark spiritual forces behind other people that are, you know, deceiving them in, in all sorts of ways, um, at times deceiving us. And it's so easy to play into kind of popular notions of us versus them. And th- th- it's prevalent in our society and unfortunately among Christians as well. Um, so, so I understand the motivation to defame someone else who you don't like because they disagree with you about something. But we just have to understand that that's not a Christian impulse. Um, we, we shouldn't be trying to tear people down. That doesn't mean that you can't be critical of someone ever. Certainly not. Um, but, but we certainly want to make sure that if we're critical of someone, that our criticism is based in fact and truth. And secondly, that it's, that it's focused on, you know, a, a policy decision or something that a person did or said and not hatred of them as a, as a person, because there's just, that's totally out of bounds for the way that Jesus calls his disciples to live. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget, and, and to your point about these cultural trends, I think sometimes we forget that these are real people we're talking about. Whether we're talking about a specific person, just because they're a politician or just because they're a celebrity or a famous person doesn't mean that they're not a real person. And they are an image bearer of God. And then even when we're talking about a whole group of people, I'll hear Christians say, well, everybody in this political party is evil. And I'm like, wow, hold on. Like, not only is that a broad sweeping generalization, that's not true, um, but also you're talking about real people, image bearers of God that we are called to love, even if, even if they are our enemy, which most of the time they're not our enemy, but even if they were our enemy, as Christians, our calling is to love them. Well, and love if they're you. hungry, feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. That's our calling, not to make it our goal to ruin their reputation and ruin their their credibility in the public eye. And so to your point, I think if we have something specific to say, well, I disagree with Wes on this, or I disagree with this politician on that, or I disagree with this thing that was said, that's fine. That's, that's one thing. But to say this person is a horrible, evil person, or this group of people are horrible and evil, that's something we have to avoid. And I think sometimes even things Andrea mentioned uh, conspiracy theories. I think sometimes we forget that when we when we propose, well, maybe this group of people they're up to this nefarious uh, conspiracy and they're doing these these things behind the scenes. They'll say that about doctors, or they'll say that about politicians, or about a political party. And and I think, do we realize that we're actually slandering, bearing false witness against a whole group of people? And 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 you're just proposing that maybe this happened or maybe this is possible, but all it takes is the suggestion that someone has done wrong, the suggestion that someone has has is up to something that's no good, and and that's enough sometimes to ruin their credibility or to hurt their credibility in someone else's eyes. And as Christians, we need to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have got to get to a place at least as Christians, where the, the act of defaming other people carries serious weight. Um, and it's not just something that we do easily. Um, as, as, as quick as, as it takes for us to click a share button, 
Um, and, and I do think that's part of that's part of the problem is it is like a step removed. It, it doesn't take a lot of effort. There's not any in person. Um, there's all sorts of people who have said things about, uh, you know, our, our current president or our, our former president who would never say those things to their face. Right. Um, but right. We, we have this uh, this level of anonymous courage behind our keyboards or our phones that that allow us to do things. Um, that we wouldn't normally do, but I just think we need to remember that we will be called into account for the things that we do on our computers and on our phones as much as the things that we do with our mouths. So, yeah, every careless word. Yeah. So, so to to your your earlier point, uh, let's let's talk about how how do we deal with this? Not necessarily when it's us that's trying to avoid sharing something or not sharing something, but how do we deal with this when others share things? Um, any tips or advice or, or biblical principles that you think we should we should keep in mind when we're dealing with our brothers and sisters who might have shared something that's that's not true? Yeah, um, that's a that's a good question, and I think I mean I think there's several things to keep in mind. Um, one, like it, when I see this stuff on Facebook shared by people. Unfortunately, I tend to be more interested in correcting someone who's like, you know, a Facebook friend who I don't even know, I have no real relationship with. I, I, seem, to, I seem to have more interest in correcting that person than a person that I actually have an established relationship with. Um, and probably that's because there, there's really no, nothing lost, nothing at risk if I correct someone I don't really know anyway, but there is with someone where there's an actual relationship. Unfortunately, I think that's completely backwards from the way that it should be. because it's it's the basis of a relationship that should give us some ability, some credibility to to speak to someone in a way that maybe they'll hear us. Whereas if it's just some random person on Facebook that I don't know, or a high school friend from 20 years ago that I, I've talked to barely at all, that's probably not going to be the, the best foundation for having a conversation like this. So I think it's important that we actually seek, I mean, that we actually have a relationship of some sort with a person that we're trying to, to maybe address this with. I think it's also really helpful to always kind of lead off with, with an, a, a disposition of grace. The reality is there's a lot of stuff out there that it's hard to know. I mean, there are some, th- some things that I don't speak about because I frankly do not know what's true in, in so many situations. Um, I could list a bunch. I won't, but there's, you know what I'm saying. There's so many things out there where something will happen there's quick rush to judgment from both sides, all sides. Um, you can find any sort of article that you want to support any sort of, and, and you just don't know. Um, furthermore, there's, like I said, there's kind of some nefarious things out there when you've got like all these fake accounts and things. Uh, actually, I took like a an online test at one point where it was, they threw up like 10 accounts for uh, social media accounts for me to evaluate as to whether or not that was a real person or like a bot. And I consider myself to be thoughtful and discerning. And I paid really close attention. I think I got like seven out of 10 right. And they were like, oh, well done. You do much better than most people. That's terrifying. Uh, if, if like, yeah. I, I'm alerted to it because it's a test. I know they're testing me for this. So like already my guard's up and I still can't get them all right. Um, that's concerning. So I think we should have some grace for people who are sharing this, but maybe just really don't know. Um, and so, so perhaps we can, maybe that just helps put us on like a good footing to start the conversation, you know, when we're saying things like, hey, 
Um, I saw that you share this thing. Um, here's a reason why I don't think that's accurate. I'm sure that you know you, you didn't do this trying to to spread false information, but I just want to caution you because I do think that there's more there's more to the story than than what you shared. Um, so I think maybe just really starting with this disposition of grace can be helpful because the vast majority of people that we know who who do this are not doing it maliciously. They're doing it because they find something that agrees with their own suspicions, and so they just share it. Um, so, so I think that's an important um, important aspect as well. And then I, I think another thing um, we want to make sure, you know, kind of the whole get the log out of your own eye first. Like by all means, we're not in a place to go around correcting people if we're also engaged in this ourselves. And so it, it, it's kind of funny, and I'm not at all saying this to the the person who submitted this question, but sometimes the people who who complain the most about fake news are people who are propagating fake news. And so we want to make sure, I mean, it's a biblical principle, get, get the log out of your own eye first before you go to someone else to correct them. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm not criticizing one type of conspiracy theory while promoting another, or I'm not... Um, you know, attacking, you know, one meme while I share another or, or whatever the case may be. I want to make sure that I'm not engaged in the sort of activity that other people uh, are doing that I think needs critiquing. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think that that's, again, to, to the point of us versus them, this sort of binary world in which we live and we interact, that it's very easy to look and say, well, I disagree with them politically, so I'm going to find things about the way that they're conducting themselves and criticize those things because I don't like where they, they're coming from politically anyway. So I'm going to criticize how they're going about things or the kinds of articles they're sharing or the kinds of things they're sharing. While on the other side, we're doing the exact same types of things. My wife and I recently recorded a, a, an episode on cancel culture and and that's it's so funny to me how both sides are criticizing that sort of behavior cancel culture but both sides are doing it and everybody's canceling each other and have been for centuries we always shame and cancel people we don't like that's what the pharisees did to to the tax collectors and the sinners in their communities we we've always done that kind of thing and so we don't like it when other people share fake news but then we're sharing fake news or we don't like it when other people cancel people but then we cancel and boycott people so we have to i think that's a really good point and i love the fact that this conversation has revolved around checking our own heart checking our own life having that humility before we even engage in any way shape or form with what anybody else is saying or what anybody else is doing. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, to me, it kind of goes back to that whole idea of being um, kind of, you know, skeptical of my own heart and my own motives in a healthy way. I, I, I Not like I'm riddled with self-doubt all the time, but I always just want to kind of right. pause and reflect, like, what are my motivations here? Even if I'm seeking to correct someone, Am I seeking to correct someone because I'm concerned about the uh, kind of the collective credibility of Christianity if people are promoting things that are obviously false, who uh, who wear that, that Christian name the way that I do? Is, is that why? Or is it because, well, this person kind of annoys me in general, and now they've said this preposterous thing, and it would be great for me to just shut them down? Because um, that, can be, that can be really tempting as well. Um, and so I, I think it's really important for us to reflect on ourselves, and, and also not to underestimate the ability 
or the power of shining a small light in a dark place. And so if, if our world is darkened by things like fake news, um, the inability to discern truth, the questioning of whether or not truth exists, etc., cetera, uh, what a breath of fresh air it is for people who, when they do share stuff, they share it um, gracefully uh, with uh, speech seasoned as with salt um, in, in ways that are, are verifiable, are not outlandish, um, have a posture towards listening and, and correction if that's needed. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I am concerned about the credibility issue, but what I find is if I'm very careful about what I share and the way that I interact and the, the, the way that I engage with people online, people respond to me, um, as me, they respond to my credibility and what I've shown. And they're not inherently, you know, importing this from, from every, any person in the world who might claim to be Christian who has done something. And so I, I do want to just encourage, uh, whoever is worried about this, myself included, that it makes a real difference when we operate in a way where we do show integrity and we do show honesty and we do show humility and we don't engage in, uh, the, the spreading of kind of wild rumors, uh, or the vilification of people with whom we disagree. Um, while the world notices uh, the incredible claims that some Christians make, they also notice when we do things the right way. And that's exactly the point that Jesus makes when he says, you know, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, that, that doesn't mean that everyone will always respond to us positively, even if we do it in the right way, but it does make a difference. Jesus promises us that it does. So I think that's very encouraging. Yeah, I, I think that's so good. And I think that's exactly where we need to land that, that the best way to combat falsehood is by telling the truth. The best way to combat hate is by loving. The best way, so often we we end up fighting fire with fire and we we just are watching the whole world burn. But I think that you're exactly right that that people notice. In fact, I was just having a conversation with, with a brother today and he was talking about an atheist friend who notices how different he is, my, my, my Christian friend is, in the way that he lives in his life, the way that he loves, the way that he is kind. Now, on the one hand, we could talk about how discouraging it is that he he sees a lot of Christians that aren't loving and kind, right. but he also sees my friend as standing out and being different. And he recognizes you're a Christian and you're kind and you're loving, and that gives credibility to the way of Christ. It gives credibility to the kingdom of God. And so I think that's exactly right. We stand out when we decide to step into these spaces, including virtual spaces, and we we engage by telling the truth, even truth that that sort of hits hits us where we live, um, and we and we do so with love and kindness, um, with grace and with mercy. And I, I will say too that if we do find ourselves having to have these hard conversations and say, hey, Wes, I noticed that you shared something and and I'm not sure that's true. And by the way, I've had people come to me with problems that I've, things that I've said and question what I've said. Um, and, and I always appreciate it more when someone does it privately. And that would be one of the big encouragements that I would give to people is that when you do this thing, these things privately, because I've been on both sides of those conversations in private text messages or messages or, or better yet in person, 
um, and and we sit down together and say, hey, I love you and I appreciate so much and 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 approach it with grace and kindness, but say I, I had a problem with something that you said or I had some a problem with something that you shared. When you have those conversations one on one, you allow people to save face. You allow people to yeah. not for it not to become a public battle. And I think doing that one-on-one, not only is that what Jesus tells us to do, but it makes practical sense as well. That's a really good point. And I'm glad that you brought that out. Um, sociologists um, will talk about, and, and also in theology, it overlaps, but like there, there are, you know, like guilt cultures, and then there's also shame-based cultures. And it's interesting because in the West, we typically have guilt cultures, but there's been kind of some increasing uh, discussion about how uh, in the vir- in the virtual world, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, that it, it's very much a shame based culture. Um, and so, like you, you call people out, you try to deplatform them at times. You kind of verbally have these uh, sparring contests. And whether or not it's our intention, when we call someone out, uh, which is how it's what it feels like, even if that's not your intention. Like when you, when you question something that someone says, or you say, "Hey, uh, you know, Wes, I really." I'm not sure that the moon is made of cheese. Like, I think we should con- consider that. Um, if I do that publicly, it's like we, we've created this shame moment. And it's kind of like, okay, now it, it's very hard to de-escalate that without someone losing face. And so I, I just think um, it's really, really good advice to reach out to the person individually. Um, and if, if there's no relationship there to where it feels weird for you to do that, that's probably a good indication that that's not someone who you're called to try to correct because you don't know the person to begin with. So I think that's really helpful information. Yeah, it's it's kind of like in the medieval movies where they would slap somebody with their glove and challenge them to to a jousting match or challenge them to a duel. And that's kind of what we're doing. And, and I think that back to both how that makes the other person feel and and feeling called out, but also our own motives. Because sometimes we we respond negatively to someone's post in the comment section because we we want to be seen as one upping them, and and I think we again we have to check our motives and say why are you doing that? Why are you why are you engaging in this? Maybe the best thing to do is just keep scrolling. You know, it's not even worth having the conversation over. But if it's about your pride, even if you're right, you're wrong. If it's about your arrogance, even if you're right in what you're saying, you're wrong in how you're going about it. And and I think that if we, I I keep coming back to Ephesians 4, but right after Paul says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. He says in verse 32, be kind to everyone, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That that speaks to so much. And if we would apply these principles that are just at the heart of Christianity, it would change our interactions in person and online. Yeah, you're right. Uh, So many of the problems that we have are not so much new problems as they are uh, new symptoms of the problem that we have of not seriously living out the, you know, the very radical uh, countercultural ethic of, of Jesus's kingdom. And so, I mean, it, it sounds flippant to say, hey, like the answer is is scripture. The answer is to, to follow Jesus. But when we truly appreciate what that means, that is the answer. Uh, if, if, if we 
if every Christian in the world, every person who claimed Christ uh, legitimately followed the Sermon on the Mount, fake news would not be something that we would be talking about, at least among Christians. It, it just wouldn't be an issue, right? And so there's just so many, um, it can be it can be tempting to try to, you know, uh, make things more complicated than they are. But at the end of the day, uh, if we're kind to one another and tenderhearted, and we're, we're absolutely of, of, of avoiding things like malice and slander and clamor, um, then these things really take care of themselves. And so it really, uh, I guess maybe something that we've just reiterated over and over again, it really begins with me and my heart and how am I living my life and who is it that I'm following? Because if I'm following Jesus, there's no place for a lot of the nonsense that sometimes we get ourselves uh, kind of wrapped up in. Yeah, very well said. Thanks, Luke. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's going to be helpful for a whole lot of people. Thanks so much, Wes, for having me on. I've really, uh, really enjoyed it. Appreciate it, brother. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family, for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.